Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steiner Blondie. This is Roland Orzabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Do you read Stephen King? Good news, there's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello to all of you pod people out there. I'm your host, Leo Phillips, and this is another edition of This Must Be The Gig, your little backstage pass to the world of live music. What we do on the show is that we try and bring you fascinating conversations from the beating heart of the live music and performance scene. And what that means is really chatting to musicians, festival founders, choreographers, comedians, actors, anyone obsessed with performance in the way that we are. And we chat about performance, we chat about first concerts and lots more. But before we dig into this week's fantastic interviews, let's check in with our constant companion here at TMBTG Studios, Engineer Adam. Hello! Hey, hi. Hello, hello. Hey, hi. Every time it's going to be some hey, combination hi. of, hey, hi, hello, how hey, are you? how, ho, ho. Hey, radio voice, one, two, one, two. Should we dig straight into our favorite feature here at TMBTG Studios? Oh, you know we should, and you know what that feature is. It <laughs> is the... Live show of the week. I'm sorry I did that. No, it's important that you did that. Each week we highlight one of the most heart-thumping events that we can find out there in the music world and share it with our pod people, all you listeners out there, in the hopes that you might enjoy it and go out and attend. And for this week's live show of the week, we're looking at a prime stop on the triumphant return tour from the absolutely legendary Tom York, who's just announced a string of dates for 2020 by the way, oh, tickets yeah. on sale on Thursday. But he'll be performing at the Greek Theater UC Berkeley in sunny California on Friday, October the 18th. 
So just a few days away from today when the episode airs. We also know that Radiohead's audiences are some of the most rabid fans out there and they probably don't need to have a reminder for a show like this. But this will be an absolute must see if you haven't seen him I can't imagine a fan who hasn't seen him yet but if this is kind of your first time I would suggest doing it Tom is still fresh off of the incredible solo album Anima and if set lists from his recent stops are any sort of indication you can expect a Radiohead song as the encore but just stick to the very end I mean, I can't imagine anybody leaving early. No, that's for sure. I mean, I saw Radiohead for the first time a couple summers ago, and it completely changed my mind on them as a band. Yeah, because you didn't like them. I didn't. That's that's an exaggeration. (laughs) I thought they were a great band, but they shouldn't be a religion. And now I'm like, maybe they can be a religion. They can be a religion. Okay, sure. I I subscribe to the altar of Tom York. (laughs) But I also have never seen Tom York solo, so this is going to be an exciting opportunity for me. So I'm going to hit up StubHub to get tickets. If you oh, want to get in on the you. excitement of that show or any other, you can head <laughs> over to StubHub via cosradio.lv slash StubHub. That's cosradio.lv slash S-T-U-B-H-U-B. And find the best selection of tickets to the hottest shows. Once again, that's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. So let us focus on this week's episode now, I think, because it's really worth your while to just hear a little bit about these artists before you dig in. We have two interviews with artists from very different parts of the world, but they both share a very kind warmth and passion about their work and about their lives surrounding their work. So we have a chat with Nick Albrook of the Australian psych rockers Pond, who are undoubtedly one of the best bands live. And I say that without hesitation. I found Nick in the artist area at uh, Oya Festival in Oslo, writing in his notebook, which he brought with to the interview, which is kind of that most idyllic picture, you know, that you can imagine an artist sitting and relaxing by a pool moments before he's about to go on stage. Even his spare time, he's got to fill with taking notes and thinking big ideas. Right, and he has such a great way about his uh, own work. It's like constantly, he's needing to constantly work on it, as opposed to being kind of lackadaisical and letting letting the magic happen. And if anyone wants to see, they've done a few Triple J-like version covers. If anyone wants to see that... Have have a look-see. We'll post some links. So what Nick and I chat about this time is his time in Tame Impala during the band's debut album, the importance of building a scene on friendship and having collaborations that really inspire you. And then, of course, being completely influenced and blown away and inspired as well by David Byrne, which he is, and also Primal Scream. And then after that, you have a conversation with Norwegian-born, Berlin-based experimental indie mm-hmm. pop artist Carrie Janssen, a.k.a. Pharaoh who jokes about her type A personality, details the importance of producing for other artists, and shares the racy origins of her band name, which includes a raunchy dream with a jazz icon. So (laughs) stick around for that. Both Pond and Pharaoh, they were both such great additions to this Norwegian festival. And uh, I can just only... uh, I can only gush about them enough. I think you need to really dig into these interviews. So this is me and Nick of Pond, followed by me and Carrie 
of Pharaoh. Enjoy! So you went for a run? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Hey? So do you, what do you do when you usually have that time? Or does it depend on the, um, the festival? Oh, no. It, I guess it I guess depends where. Yeah, I mean, it depends what city you're in. Yeah. If, you know. Uh, if I was in Barcelona, I might go to the beach or something. Yeah, you know? um, right. Had you been here before? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's not really like sightseeing time. It's no. more so just chilling. Yeah, and like, I feel like I've, I kind of save my sightseeing for when I'm actually, like, on holiday. Holiday. Okay. I feel like being, like, being being calm and getting my body feeling good mm. and stuff like that is um, is more important on tour. Than checking stuff out, but going, but of course going, going to like museums and art galleries can yeah. be really inspiring as well. Yeah, but do you, yeah. can you can you switch your brain off though? Especially because you said that you kind of will only relax when you're on holiday, but then you do need a bit of relaxation, or at least you say calm before you perform. So can yeah. you switch it off, or are you in tour mode? Just like almost dormant to a mode. Yeah, yeah, I think I am totally. Yeah. Um, it's just like, yeah, I'm sort of. I, I feel like I'm in a sort of hibernation a lot of the, a lot of the time on tour when yeah. I'm not playing shows, like um, in a sort of, yeah, like doing, doing just personal mm. stuff like some, you know. Just like exercise or um, reading or yeah, doing very little. Do you like touring? Yeah, I do. I do. I've gotten I've gotten way better at it. Um, <laughs> yeah, as I've gotten older, right? And I guess like taking the pressure off, like because I, I I think I used to, and we all did, used to have a lot of this sort of unspoken pressure to like make the most out of every. Like go out and get fucked up, and, yeah. uh, or you know, run around experiencing the city. And by the time you actually get to, or seeing friends, and by the time you actually get to the show, it's like you've barely had time to <laughs> think about where you are. And right, and centre and ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now that I'm like a bit softer with my myself <laughs> and what I expect yes. myself to do, it's a lot yeah. easier. Yeah. yeah. When did you start? What? Start touring. Yeah. Um, it would have been like, I don't know, maybe ten years ago or something. Okay. Like that. Yeah. So do you feel like? I think it was ten. Do years you remember ago. the first show you ever played? Like um, outside of Perth, you mean, or like? Or just uh, just performed for a, an audience, other than you know your mirror or your yeah. family. Oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Well, that wasn't. That was just. You know, in in Perth, um, I remember it was at Mojo's Bar. It was an open mic night, and um, and yeah, our manager, who's still our manager, came up afterwards and said she and said, "Do you want to 
me to yeah. manage you. <laughs> wow. And I felt so happy. It's was like, it alone? Wow, were actually... you performing alone or with no, a band? No, it was with a band. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it just felt like this sudden, like, great validation that, like, what I'd kind of believed up until then that I could do something. I could do something special, even though I wasn't a very good musician at all or particularly good singer or anything like that. I sort of, and suddenly it was like validated. It's like, wow, I, I can actually do something that did, people respond to. Did you believe it though when you got on stage? Was that the, or did you just do it because that was how you were, ex- you were just experimenting at the time? Like yeah. how long term were you thinking when you first started out? Man, I think, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I was actually, I actually had a lot of belief. I think I sort of knew that we could do something, something good. Wow. Yeah, it's really weird. I can't believe yeah. it. Like I was, I think I was a lot more confident then than in the like pr- proceeding years. Yeah. I think you always are though. I feel like I had so much fire when I was like young. I was like, Absolutely. I can do anything. Absolutely. Just, you know, like uh, barging through the walls. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like when you're young, you don't know the ramifications of what you doing you're not really aware of how the business works in any aspect yeah. irrespective of what oh, industry you're no, in no especially in in, in, per, <laughs> in Perth, oh well you know, yeah exactly like the reality of uh of the music industry is so far away compared like if you live somewhere else, like london or something mm. where you you're constantly surrounded by like nma and uh and new buzzes mm. and stuff like that. So yeah, I was a long way from mm. it. But yeah, still totally, totally believed it. And, uh, and exactly what you said that when you're that when when you're that age, mm. it's like you've got this. I remember having this really clear idea of what I wanted myself to be, mm. and like a sort of you know the type of person, the type of musician or whatever I wanted to be, and just like such determination to make that happen and then like as the years go on you start seeing the reality of that of what that fantasy and it's like oh maybe this isn't maybe this isn't actually who I am and right that seems to be where the quarter life crisis yeah, comes in where you're like oh I've been spending all this time trying to push myself to be something but maybe that's just not me well i can't right because if you are trying to tap into that authentic self essentially you don't know yourself yet when you're so young so i also feel like your priority shift the things that i wanted when i was younger have shifted and or grown and or like literally just disappeared so much yeah and i think that that's so fascinating especially in the in the life of an artist mm. because so much happens within like one week mm. you know you it's it's like your life is blown up into this thing and then you have to make decisions very quickly mm. you have to work in teams that you might not necessarily have ever thought you would work in yeah. so how did you then manage going from having no manager to suddenly performing and having a manager and being thrown into it almost how did you um, how did you manage that? Well, it was really easy because our manager Jody is such a lovely is is such a dear friend and she just made it so fun and comfortable instantly. That makes such a difference. Oh man, we're so lucky. I like I know so many artists and whatever who have had to 
you know, who have been like shopped managers or something, or they mm. hire, hire someone, someone who's like yeah. a really great manager. Yeah. For us, she started doing it at the same time as we started doing wow. it. Wow. Yeah. So we both didn't know what the fuck we were doing. And had and you to could learn, learn together. Yeah, 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 and that's why we're still, you know, pe- people seem to. We're we're really blessed, hey, in our little gang, the Tame Impala and Pond Spinning Top Gang, um, because we don't. Um, I hear people 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 seem shocked sometimes when I say that you know we don't have fights or we don't. You know, has there ever been like an on-stage bickering, or do we ever? How do you decide which is going to be a solo song or a, yeah. or a band song? It's like I don't know. You just when people ask that, yeah, yeah. Like, is it hard to negotiate? Because I feel like a lot of other people have way more, um, way more spiky internal politics than we do, and it's just like a breeze for us. We're like I a big family. Because it was so organic, it's so different. Yeah. It's not like you're trying to prove anything. It uh, happened and you're just riding it as yeah. opposed to, as you said, going after and seeking out a certain manager mm. that has a certain agenda yeah, yeah. or really only listening to a label, which sometimes works. Yeah. Um, but I think also because there's that like prophecy of, of a band breaking up because they're fighting. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like lately, especially because people know how important relationships are, mm. men are more connected to themselves and their hearts, I feel like it's easier now to navigate that. Yeah, know? yeah. I, I do get the feeling that self, self-care self and yeah. self-love is becoming... Uh, is more accepted now, mm. you know. It's it's okay to do that, and maybe maybe that'll finally mean that the um, that age old lie, like the rock and roll, right. or the yeah. rock and roll orthodoxy of um, or like artistic, the ideal of like a fractured, sickly, suffering artist. Maybe maybe it's starting to lose some of its. Um, some of its ground, some of it, some of its establishment, yeah. which is really good. It's about time because it kills people. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. But then, so when you do have a little bit of a disagreement, because yeah. in every relationship there is, say, if, for example, you feel very connected to a certain uh, moment in a song, mm. or um, you know, you're having difficulty with certain parts, or I don't know, you're just moody on tour or something. Yeah. How do you navigate that? Well, the disagreements seem to be sorted out before they become disagreements. Okay. Like, ah, okay. if some, you just compromise. If someone feels really attached to something and other people are not sure about it, you sort of go like, it's, I guess it's who, who, whoever's... Um, I don't know what it is with us, why it's so easy to just see... You very soon, very quickly see that, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Mm. And it's never been so, we've never been so stubborn with each other that it's turned into an actual difficulty. Yeah. And with being moody on tour, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. we've been doing it with, we've been doing it for so long that if someone's moody, they just put on their headphones and have shut some, out. and shut out. Yeah. And everyone the respects curtain. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
how then going from that and playing all the time together you mentioned something about the Perth scene and being a little bit far away but I feel like from an outsider's perspective at least when I've also traveled to Australia and covered stuff it feels so inclusive everybody's in a band it's kind of like mm. the Icelandic music scene yeah, right. you've got one guy who's the drummer for this band singer for that band and it's like yeah, goes definitely. from sludge metal to punk to pop definitely so how important is that community especially for the genre and the type of music that you make how important is the community for you and how strong is it it was so important in developing like exa- exactly what you said with Icelandic music mm. I remember a really formative sort of time and particu- like particular shows as mm. well um, was when it was a whole gang of us we were all friends playing one gig and it was like us doing a sort of um, a sort of psychic, psychedelic mm. folky type thing and then our other friends playing like Nintendo, ni- Nintendo electro pop, <laughs> and our other yeah. friends doing really heavy doom metal, mm-hmm. and our other friends who were in like a very, um, you know, like a punk, like riot girl punk type thing. And um, but we're all part of exactly the same community, and that was so special. Learning suddenly about this whole kind of wide world of music and be and and really appreciating all the different ones and you know people making glitchy experimental yeah. shit with um <laughs> contact mics in their yeah. mouth and uh <laughs> sitting there and suddenly being outside of your bubble of like you know punching punching cones and listening to black sabbath yeah and, like yeah it it was it it was everything what do you feel you need then in order to feel like you're supported, you know? Because you, you're obviously, as you said, the whole Tame Impala crew and mm. you've got, you, there's so many ties with so many gigantic bands. Mm. Um, so what do you need in that community in order to kind of make sure that you are as creative, as honest? Um, I think know? it's the honest thing. I think it's just, having some sort of softness and um and honesty and yeah like a lack lack of agenda being like a bit selfless and being happy to give to give parts of yourself to friends and um lack of pretense and staying and staying close to your friends and your home and your family and yourself being a bit mindful of where you are and in the world and um yeah it's like having friends is so important and that's been so has been really like made made what we've what we've done possible is having your friends around as a sort of system like a constant right. system of checks and balances mm-hmm. of like um um instead of not that we're big enough to go into yes men world like we're not drake or something but um you know i feel like even if even if i would hope that even if i was <laughs> champagne pappy yeah. i would be like i would the try pappy. yeah the pappy himself <laughs> i'd be like keeping keeping my old 
mates and my parents around or, yeah. or like my you know your old community and um and money remembering to do remembering to do stuff that doesn't pay <laughs> because it's fun mm. being close to nature actually touching it and mm. keeping your eyes open to it to remember that what you're doing isn't the most important thing yeah. in the world. <laughs> How do you then feel about, like, because there's a lot of musicians who talk about the carbon footprint that they leave and they feel mm. badly about it, but obviously for you it's you, it's kind of unavoidable. It's not like you can get into a van and drive over to LA. Um, yeah. So what, how do you make sure that you're mindful about that? What do you do? Oh, man, it's... Uh, like, I've got to be honest and, like, I'm still... Like I try and do everything I can on a on a personal mm. level, but these are all very small drops in the ocean. Like, um, you know, in the in the face of in the face of uh, um, to giant tobacco companies and um, all the mountains and mountains of plastic you see getting put away, me using a bamboo toothbrush. Isn't really like it doesn't really matter. I carry around my bottle and yeah. refill it and shit. But then, yeah, we get booked for gigs. You know, five shows in America, and then that's like tons and tons of car- of carbon dioxide into the audi- into the atmosphere. I mean, we're we're finally gonna gonna um trying to trying to change the vinyl thing with um not having like mm. plastic, plastic shrink wrap on mm. the outside right but even then it's like this the 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 established way that the music industry works is so hard to shift because it's like any massive industry it's like you even requesting not to get a slab of water bottles is difficult mm. Because like, it's gonna come. It's anyway. gonna come anyway. It's so and they're hard. everywhere. I know. It's really hard to shift the way people have been doing it because the people who run all this shit, bless their hearts. Mm. Um, I wouldn't have a career without them, but they've been doing it for ages, mm. and it's really hard as one, you know, little hippy dippy in you know mm. insolent girly boy yeah. from Australia <laughs> to say <Girly> like, <laughs> can you can you not? Yeah, Can I think it's just obviously <laughs> then like tapping out and just saying like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna even enter into that. Yeah. Like I was given that like yesterday or the day before, and I've just kept refilling, yeah, refilling yeah. Good, because good. there's like nothing I can do outside of that if I'm traveling. Yeah. And you know, I, I suppose yeah. the question I asked was kind of to me as well because I also jump on a plane and go mm. wherever I can for work. Yeah. Um, and it's so difficult because you have to be so... Yeah, well, I've been talking about... I think I talked about this with the, uh, some of the guys from Mac Marco's band about how the, it's actually getting close... Well, it's past. Mm. It's long past the time when we might have to actually... Like, the excuse that it's my job. Right, I know. It's actually not it's actually not valid anymore and might actually have to make a really, you know, a really big hard decision and be like, 
can't really do that anymore. Mm. Like, I know it sucks not to go and play tours around the world because it's so fun, but, like... You gotta just something's gotta give. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I like talking about it just because there's not many people, especially you know the fact that you do you are based still back home Mm. in Australia, and I think that that obviously you've got Asia, which is easy for you to tour. But then really, if you do need to go to the states, Mm. it's fucking so far. It's so far. I think I don't know. I'm now based in Chicago, and I think the time difference is like 15 hours or something from yeah, us yeah yeah no, it's, and that's it just is, the time yeah. difference do you feel sometimes that you're a little bit secluded from everything yeah um, not not as much now not as much now as i used to mm-hmm. i mean i used to i guess i guess it's a good illustration mm-hmm. of how secluded i was that when i was 20 or 21 or whatever i um I didn't know we were secluded. That's how secluded we were. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where know? did you grow up? In, I in gr- Perth? I, grew, I actually grew up in Derby. Okay. Which is like northwest Australia. Um, but I was, you know, I moved from there when I was 13. So um, the extent of my musical, of my my, my music my music <laughs> career then was like headbanging to Silverchair. <laughs> yeah. Who was the first show? What was the first show you first saw? First show I saw. Um, I think it was. Um, uh, uh, what were they called? They were called She Had. Okay. <laughs> They're a New Zealand band. Yeah. A heavy rock band, and I saw them at a like festival in Maylands in Perth. And they were very heavy and yeah. very rock, and I loved it. <laughs> what did you love about it? It was they—they they were like I don't know—they—they're they're a real like rock band, you know, doing more physical all the, stuff, all the moves, yeah. and it was loud <laughs> as hell, and it was sweaty, and uh, they were you know spinning their arm arm around playing chords, and the, man, I mean, I don't—I haven't listened to them for ages, but it's just like visceral kick in the chest yeah. type of rock and roll and um yeah like it was one of those sort of mind explosion yeah. me- like meme worthy type moments of <laughs> little 14 year old 15 year old nick just like eyes wide mouth agape just like seeing this happening in front of me going <laughs> I remember another, I always get that same imagery um, when I'm talking about, there was one time when I was sitting at um, the family dinner table, I'd like just finished doing my homework or something and my folks were, you know, busying around like having a normal weekday and my brother came up to me and and likewise I was sitting at the dinner table doing my own thing and he was like, oh, you check this out and he put some earbuds mm. in in my ears and the cd uh discman in front of me and put on um rage against the machine yeah first album like real loud <laughs> and ha- i i wish i had video footage of my face because <laughs> you know without hearing what i was hearing you'd just be seeing this like thirteen year old boy having his mind collapse <laughs> as it goes like do 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 do
Ugh, on, on Zach Delaroche's. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, and I got my mind popped. Yeah. <laughs> but did you feel like when you started performing and started touring more, you thought about those moments of how do I connect to my fans? Or did you just go, feel naturally into believing in your music, believing in, this, in the lyrics, believing in how you sounded, and then mm. follow the, you know, have your performance follow that? I think it was, it was pretty mindless at the beginning. It was pretty just like going st- one foot after the other mm. um yeah i think when you're when you're young and stoned you don't <laughs> don't have much time to reflect on right what you're yeah <laughs> like but, now yeah now, now in, in, my, in my dotage I can yeah <laughs> you can turn around <laughs> yeah. but so do you have a favorite place that you have played before a favorite city because every single city and every fan base is so drastically different yeah i guess so um I've had a lot of, there have been a lot of really special ones in, um, in 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 England and Paris. Mm. Feel like, I don't know what it is. I always had this idea that England had something about like, you know, they spend five days a week being punished, um, and wet, and yeah, cold, cold. <laughs> in like tiny, expensive apartments. And then the weekend comes and they get absolutely rattled. Yeah. And well, like, like four o'clock usually. Ah, yeah. <laughs> kiss each other and sing and sing and sing. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it, you know, it, so often they're pretty wild. But even like local Perth ones have been some of the maddest, most fun gigs ever. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think I could put it put it down to. Cities, because there are a bunch of different things. I I feel like I often rate how much fun I have at a gig by like physical experiences. Okay, like. Well, like, um, last time we played at the in Minneapolis at mm. what's the Prince Club called? Um, it's Seventh Seventh Avenue. I think that's what it's called. Um, but very famous. I actually got yeah. to sit on the big purple bike. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty proud. But um, we played there, and because it's got a little, we're in a small room and it's got a really low roof, and I jumped into the crowd and sort of flipped over and um, was upside down. Oh, my God. And, like, hooked my feet over the over the um, the bars at the top and was kind of just hanging like a bat. <laughs> And so that's the sort of thing that I always remember, just like fun, physical experiences. Do you often go into the crowd? Yeah, I always, I think I always do. Do you, is it something about connecting like physically with, yeah. you know, like being able like tangibly with your fans yeah, that you, you know it's real? Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. That's exactly it. As soon as you touch someone and look in their eyes, it's the best gig, it's the best gig ever. Yeah. And I remember that. I remember saying John John Lee Hooker Jr. <laughs> yeah. When I was when I was young, and um, he came up and and like actually noticed me and like looked at me mm. and was like, mm. 
And suddenly it was like, this is the best thing I've ever but seen. But you totally you know? do. I know, I'm thinking now, I once saw Janet when I was younger. Oh, and wow. we like stood, I was so young. And my friend like cried because she was just tired. Like our yeah. parents were at the back and they let us go in the front and she left. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to just stick it out. Yeah. And I remember when Janet like came down and looked at all of us. It really, that eye contact really does make a difference because the fan is spending 24 hours sometimes with your yeah. music. You don't know that. Yeah. But at a show, that's your time really to say like, oh, I acknowledge you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, because oh, that connection perfect. is. Yeah, I remember I used to, I mean, I, I, I figured it out a while ago and um, started kind of bustling about awkwardly and happily mm. before our gig started okay. at the front. And just kind of sharing observations yes. with whoever's in, in the front row, like looking at the stage with them and being like, oh, this, this should be fun, hey? Yeah. You, know? and, um, you went undercover. Yeah, and everyone was sort of like really jacked up and mm. I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to go on now. You ready? And like, See you later. Yeah. And I also, I remember it was, it was a solo show, not, not a um, Pond one or Tame one or anything, but in that Hamburg on the Reaper Barn, it was a really small show and it felt like it was really lacklustre for ages. And then um, I finished a song and in like complete silence went around and gave every single member of the audience a hug. Wow. Like every single person. How many inc- people with it? With it? Not that many. Okay. That, was why it's I, still- that was why it needed to happen because, yeah. you know... I was feeling quite insecure. Like I thought I was looking at people's faces and starting to get those false thoughts of like, everyone's looking at me thinking yeah. I'm a twit. <laughs> but then as soon as I hugged people, suddenly their faces were like, oh, this is great. And um, yeah, and it made it like a memorable gig. It went from being a like a notably shit gig to being <laughs> one that I remember. Why was it shit? Because you were alone. No, not because, because of- I was alone, just because I was starting to get that that discomfort. Okay. Which is yeah. which stops you from moving mm. properly and every movement you do is like thought thought about. You start thinking, fuck, I better do like a cool move. <laughs> Otherwise kick. Yeah, kick. Yeah. Do a kick. <laughs> and you do it and it's yeah. like Oh shit. It, Shaking something off uh, my leg. <laughs> it looks really stupid and like <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's just about like being happy because happy, you know, happiness is an absence of fear and like an absence of fear is a way to be creative genuinely. And um, when I'm nervous and spend the whole day, like I I swear I can tell when it's going to be a good gig or a shit gig from the morning. Really? Just as you wake up? Yeah, because a good gig I'll be spending the whole time laughing and... uh, and goofing around yeah. with the friends. I'll put on midnight oil just before and get <laughs> yeah. really fucking sweaty before going on stage and then it'll be great. Even if I perhaps objectively don't sing well. Right. I'll but feel at least great. you have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And today, how do you feel today? I feel good. I mean it'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Why are you a musician? Why do you do this? I don't know. I've I've had a lot of thoughts about that Mm. the only 
I mean, the only thing more apart, you know, it's not, it's not, it doesn't really, it doesn't really say much. Just saying, oh, I felt it. It just had to happen. Mm. The only other thing I can think of is like some sort of. It's connected to some sort of deep. Maybe it's it's connected to a deep insecurity of um, like a lot of artists who have something inside them that they need to prove that they're special in like a co- in a in a cosmic way. Yeah. And also is the um the very real human fear of death. Um and we use lots of things to to kind of consolidate mm-hmm. that like religion or um denial or children mm-hmm. or making a great body of work or right. trying Making to make a mark. great and mm. that that's your so yeah maybe maybe it's like my, my natural fear of death or maybe it's being really really insecure or maybe they're the same thing yeah I think that's it. yeah yeah and then you said earlier that you were writing what are you busy working on at the moment um just um just lots of words to to put into a new pond album two new pond albums a new more songs mm-hmm. um yeah because sometimes i get inspired to make music instrumentally and then plonk words on it afterwards mm-hmm. but a lot of the time i just i i i, I resonate with actual like, words mm. writing words so what are the themes that you're tackling now what are the things that are interesting you um i've been thinking a lot about um it's pretty similar. Uh, I've been having a recurring dream. Have you ever seen um, uh, um? Oh shit! I forgot the name of the film. What? The apocalypse film. Apocalypse now. Um, no, no, oh. no. The one about actually about the apocalypse. Oh. Um, in some some oh. the one by like Vim Vendors. Oh God. Um. Oh. Melancholia. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! I, I saw... just totally was like on the edge of my <laughs> tongue now. Um, yeah. I saw that ages ago, mm. but I think it's because of all the yeah, like we were saying, like the reality of climate change and how there's been fires in the Arctic Circle and Tasmania, and um. And snow in Sydney and stuff oh, like that, you know. That, I never thought um, I would see that. Mm, but I, I've been having a recurring dream where, like, whatever the dream is, you know, some wh- whatever random dream I'm having, I'm, like, shearing a sheep or I'm, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. going, ha- having, like, an uncomfortable dinner with my father-in-law or something like that. But every dream seems to be ending with me looking out the window and up into the sky and a big, bright flash and massive fear and realisation that this is it. Like, it's the end of the world. And I start trying to howl like a wounded animal for all of the things that, I'm, that are, that are, are going to be lost. So I've been, like, thinking a lot about why I'm so mortally scared. Yeah, and also making sure that you can be as present as possible yeah. within that reflection. Yeah. Because when you consider those things, it's really helpful and it, 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 it's good to embrace that, but then also you like, well, 
what about the life right now that I have? Mm. It's it's you know that duality. It's really hard because it's got like a really thin line to try and make sure that you are still being really good to yourself and then also being good to future future Nick. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that I mean, that's a huge part of it. Is like writing. I, I, I wrote a song to my imaginary child, like a big apology. Wow. Um, yeah. And that that when you frame your fear and dread in that in something so like tangible and innocent and real and like you think about all the things that you do like you go for swims in a river and you play frisbee with your friends and you fall in love and like imagining future generations not falling in love mm. like you have is truly unsettling yeah it's devastating um so i think that's been a sort of more morbid uh preoccupation of mine i don't think it's morbid i i don't know unless i'm like i feel into that kind of stuff yeah it doesn't just because everybody's thinking it you're right everyone's thinking it it doesn't come out morbidly it comes no because also the tone of you know how you write your songs you're not going to be writing no, it's not. It doesn't come out sounding like um, mayhem. <laughs> no. Um, Even if it feels like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think it's important to embrace that, especially because there's so much happening. You have to compartmentalize it mm. in a way that as a writer, you're honoring that writing sense of yourself. And then also as a musician, you're honoring what your band feels. Mm. So I can imagine it's quite challenging. In yeah. A, very positive way of course yeah but i think i want to i want to try and i was actually I, I had a little listen to your podcast oh, you with did? um with david byrne oh cool and, yeah um, the names after him yeah yeah <laughs> no, okay. um that i was so nervous so i, I definitely was not shit. myself oh my God. <laughs> his his um demeanor as well is so like he's just like so calm he's a zen, that it he's a zen uns- monk isn't he yeah but it actually unsettles you in a way which i told him afterwards <laughs> of course <laughs> because it it's you don't oh, you don't hilarious. feel that in uh, in the industry it's either no. manic or it's uh, d- disillusion it's like yeah. whatever you know indifferent yeah and his is so like this is i'm a beaming light you know yeah but yeah so you listen that's well, cool yeah and i think i've i really want to i've spent so long like being so like didactic mm. in my writing and mm. getting out all of these fears and uh stuff in words and words and words and words mm. and words and um vast tempo changes <laughs> and stuff like that but i love that he concentrates completely on the body and um and i've been really appreciating music that says so much with very little like um you know that song. You know, you know, "Loaded" by Primal Scream, yeah, where the yeah. the only the only lyric in the whole thing is, "I want to." You know, we're gonna get down. We're gonna get deep down, and he just says it once. I know. And for me, it's like, oh, yeah, that hits, hits me so deep in the chest, and that's the only thing he says. Pause the podcast. Pause the podcast. Are you looking at a calendar full of great events but struggling to find tickets? StubHub's gotcha. Whatever your favorite band, team, or venue, StubHub is here to save the day with the best tickets for any budget. Whether you're looking for a seat at a Broadway show, tickets to the summer's big arena tour, or 
for a night of cheering on your hometown team. StubHub has the seats you're looking for at the price you want to pay. Head to cosradio.lv StubHub or their user-friendly app to find tickets that are 100% guaranteed by FanProtect. StubHub's never sold out with the most shows, the most tickets, and the most fans. So head on over to cosradio.lv StubHub or the StubHub app. The best tickets to the best experiences in music, sports, and theater. That's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. It's just the Norwegian spelling of pharaoh. Oh. Like an Egyptian pharaoh. Oh. Yeah. Why did you pick that name? Because of the jazz musician Pharaoh Sanders. I had a sex dream about him once. Oh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, oh, this is obviously a sign. This is my best. He's, me- yeah. he's <laughs> meeting me in my dreams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How long have you been doing this for? <laughs> this project? Yeah. Uh, five years-ish. I've released okay. one EP and two albums. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, not, that's quite a lot of work for five years. Or is that normal in your life? Uh, I feel like it's pretty normal. You know, a couple of years between each album. It takes a while to write the songs. and Yeah. So do you do this full time? Is this your main, or do you? I do. do other I also things? produce other artists. I have a studio oh, in Berlin. Okay. Where I produce other artists as well, which is a good. It's really, really, really fun to produce other artists. What What is What do you enjoy about it? Um. Well, it's just really nice to be able to shape other people's music in the way I want. Yeah. <laughs> so selfishly, you like? Yeah. I just make them make it more like something i would like yeah and obviously these artists have asked me because they like what i do so i feel confident that pushing my vision through at different times i mean i'm not i i definitely try and maintain their vision but in my kind of way yeah yeah and you believe obviously in your uh, ear and your vision for that that you can help people yeah yeah so it's like a team team exactly collaboration yeah but then what do you feel do you feel like there's something about yourself that you learn as well within the process of working on other people's music yes it's actually very interesting to see to take a step away from the the song being my own and seeing it from the outside and having less of a personal relationship with lyrics especially yeah um, it's really interesting to see what that's like and then I kind of get the sense of what it must be like to work with me with my songs as well just taking it less personally if a producer would say mm, I'm not sure about that lyric or whatever it could feel at least in the beginning for me I took it more personally but now that I'm that person I know that it's not something you should think too much about you know yes. if the producer says like maybe we should find a different melody line or you know it doesn't mean that whatever you came up with was bad it just could be better yeah it's just so it's it's taught you how to take criticism yeah in a, in a more productive way as opposed to like letting it just cripple you and paralyze exactly. you but it's especially with working with someone's art you have to be so gentle yeah but you also have to be quite harsh as well in order to get the work done (laughs) yeah so now i'm when i produce other artists i'm that person who Mm. sometimes would criticize Uh, and it's making me learn how to deal with criticism myself in a better way 
So what is your objective then? What do you want to achieve with your music? I want to make the music that I myself would love to hear. I want I make music for myself. Mm. When I write a track, I'm I'm my f- only well maybe not my only <laughs> but my biggest um fan or I'm I make it for myself. Mm. I want to make myself feel great when I listen to my own song. It's like I want to make the kind of stuff that I I wish other people would make. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously you saw like a need for it yeah. as well and that's how you express yourself. They always say like as a writer write what you want to read. Yeah. Write what you know write what we, what you exactly want to read. It. Yeah. So and then obviously then you're connected to it because if you're bored by the things that you're making then why are you really yeah. making it? But so when did this all begin for you? When how far back did you discover that this was the thing that you were meant to do? Very early. I started studying music when I was 8, no 19. and i quit because it was too much focus on writing music for other people writing pop music to get radio play all of this bullshit yeah and i just immediately was like what what why this isn't why i want to make music i've i've never had that as my main thing and i mean i don't i It's fine that other people have that as their main thing. That's but you cool, wouldn't say no if you if somebody wanted to play you on the radio. Of course not. I mean, I feel like your music is accessible enough yeah. to be played on the radio. But when I'm in the studio, I don't think about that at all. That's good. And I don't have any labels or uh booking agents or management that would come in and have anything to say about the creative process. I am 100% in charge and I they my team would only hear it when it's done like <laughs> <laughs> so you keep it to yourself yeah what is it about that moment that you enjoy uh, keeping private it just takes a long time to finish a song if you show it to someone halfway through it's for me when i listen to a demo i i can hear where it's going but for someone else who doesn't have my mind then they won't hear it so it's just and it might sense. sway and, and yeah. d- deter it's you like from the, the typical path. showing it to someone being like okay keep in mind it's not really it's not that done. ready <laughs> so and then the first comment is like hmm the bass is a yeah. little too quiet you're like, like but that's I what told i said <laughs> oh but didn't you like control because it sounds yeah. like you <laughs> i do <laughs> I'm actually trying to loosen up a little bit. I mean, I don't let think it's a good ob- parts for me yeah. sometimes because I'm I'm too much of a control freak. So I'm I just think it's fascinating. <laughs> I'm now recording some new music and I'm deliberately asking friends that I trust creatively to come into the studio and just jam out some stuff that I can use because it's it's actually really fun to collaborate, but I just it just takes a lot for me to trust someone creatively. I feel like that's so fascinating because there's so much about that we talk about on the show and we don't necessarily speak about we talk about collaboration a lot but we don't necessarily speak about how it 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 sometimes for people isn't natural it's very mm. outside of your comfort zone yeah. because you have a certain method yeah. and 
deviating from that method is sometimes very tricky on your own creative process exactly but also sometimes it's like gold yeah sometimes it really you do need somebody else to open up that absolutely it's like a valve you know to open it up Exactly. But it's hard. I, I mean, I, I don't do it. I do my own show. I write. I take my own photos. Yeah. It's I mean, really I, hard. I give up control when I work with my editor, which is my favorite part of it. But everything leading up to that is yeah. so private. It's so hard. Yeah. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not about being private. It's a more about, as you said, giving up something where you know it's not finished. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's being the, at the most vulnerable, I think. I agree. I completely agree. It's really hard. But I'm trying to open up a little bit. <laughs> Do you feel like you like that with people around you or just with music? I'm pretty much like that in all senses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah, absolutely. So what are the things like that Like if you... I make dinner and yeah. someone's like, why don't we use this sauce instead? I'm like, no. <laughs> no. It's not going to be as good. I mean, you know what you want. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to argue. But believe me, I think it's very annoying to people around me. I know it's very annoying. But like that, you learn. You go through life and yeah. you just, you, you learn. But it's, if it's working for you, especially creatively, if it's worked so far, yeah. you also don't want to change and shift things too quickly. No, absolutely not. I feel like I have a very specific sound that a lot of people say is hard to describe within specific yeah. genres. It's just my genre. It's like, uh, I it's mean, like I would say like own. art, pop, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it is hard. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't even call it alternative because I do feel as a, a, there is a sense of you can still ac- access it, yeah. you know? It's not like outsider it's, art. It has a lot of pop elements. Yes. Yeah. Art pop? Something like that. Whatever. Um, so tell me, what was your first show that you ever went to? Your first concert? My first yeah. show, that, Spice Girls. What? Yeah, in it was the day no Jerry. One said that yet it on was the, the show. day Jerry quit the band <gasps> in Oslo. So they were post. It was in 1998, I believe, or was it 97? Oh I think it was 98. And my prime. I I was there with my mom, and I was you, 11 years old, and we had bought like tickets um it was sold out we bought like really expensive ticket like what do you say second hand no yeah uh, like sculpt like illegal yes, yeah sculpt. yeah yeah um and then we came there and everywhere there were posters saying jerry is sick but the gig will still happen so we saw the show and jerry wasn't Without there jerry. and everyone just thought she was Without sick. ginger i know ginger spice. and she w- <laughs> i was ginger was that your yes. identity I don't know what I always played because I was blonde. I played the baby. You're Emma, yeah. But she was so boring. She's I wanted to be like Scary Spice <laughs> or Sporty Spice in my head. Yeah. So do you remember a particular moment at all from that show where you felt like mm. this is this is I feel so a part of this moment and this movement. I remember a lot of screaming. I remember <laughs> trying to get into the. Like the front booth, yeah, you had to be a little bit taller than I was. So I was like standing on my toes <gasps> to try and convince them, but then, no, they wouldn't let me in. <laughs> I don't remember that much of the I'm show. I'm ginger. Actually. I'm ginger. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being disappointed that Jerry wasn't there. Yeah. And then the next day it was in the news. But you know what? While we talk about this, I realized that wasn't the first show. Oh damn! Michael, I saw Michael Jackson the day the year before. That was my first show. It was amazing. I remember buying. Michael Jackson binoculars 
They had binoculars at the merch stand so that we could stand all the way in the back and see him. Because it was obviously a huge, a huge show. Like, Did you walk away from seeing Michael and all the Spice Girls and reflect? Like, yeah. go, okay, this might be something I think that I could do. Of those two shows, I think Spice Girls was the most influential. But I love them. Because of they the were singing, huge. like I was, I was singing in the car from as early as I can remember, with my parents. I was always singing, like everywhere. Yeah. And I was singing Spice Girl songs and Destiny's Child and Lauren Hill. I remember that was the first CD. Miss Education. Yeah. I know that was great. And TLC and Salt and Pepper and all of this female R&B rap music. Mm. Yeah, Missy. Yeah, that was a little bit later. Yeah, a little bit later. Yeah. But so when you decided that you wanted to do it, and so you said you studied music. Yeah, for one year, but then I quit because they it was too pop focused. Yeah. But then, so what did you go? So you didn't carry on another. No, I did a degree at the university and also in linguistics and philosophy. Oh wow! (laughs) Just something completely different. So now I'm actually a translator and. yeah, that's how I make some money on the oh. side, which is really fun. So, but how well, how many languages can you speak? Uh, only, well, fluently, only Norwegian and English. But I translate from Danish and Swedish too because it's so similar. Do you remember the first concert you ever performed at? It was in two thousand and four. Do you remember the the tsunami? Yeah. In Asia, in yeah. Thailand, I think it was like a benefit show for that cause, mm. and I was singing. Oh my god, what was it? Oh yeah, I was singing Hallelujah. So cheesy. But I mean, did, did did they ask you to sing that song? Or did you were you just like, I feel like people will relate uh, to this It was feeling. like, I was singing it with another guy and he okay. chose to do the song, yeah. So that was the first time I performed. Were you people, nervous at all? I think I was extremely nervous. I don't remember very well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I probably was very nervous. So who influences your performance style now? Who is the person that you've seen and or look at to to inspire you and inspire your performative uh, techniques as such uh, well the Erika Badu show yesterday oh my god was how so phenomenal <laughs> she is very very inspiring I've been listening to her quite a lot and her attitude on stage is just great I I had an idea of what she was because I'd never seen her or shot her before I had an idea of how she was going to be but I was so blown away yeah like you know that she's going to be at the top at the she's she is at the top of her game I mean Erica was around before yeah pretty much everybody else but then when you see her calmness and like how fucking cool she is (laughs) on stage I was just I actually I said hello to her backstage (laughs) I was like that was an amazing show. And she's like, thanks. And she <gasps> seemed really bothered by just anyone they, trying to yeah. talk to her. I was like, I'll, I won't say anything. <laughs> but yeah. But what did you love about the show? What did you love about just the her, performance? Her attitude. She just doesn't give a fuck. She's so cool on stage. And she wears the most amazing costumes. How incredible was it? And she's so calm as well. She just like... I, did, I read some review today. That mentioned that she's quite guru-like. She has this like god-like presence. Like zen, yeah. yeah. Which is really amazing. 
I feel like she also there's something really special about how she is at the front of the band, but there were so many moments where she kept turning around to yeah. to just you know acknowledge everyone. There wasn't a moment where she skipped or found herself outside of it, which I think is yeah. what an what what a listener wants. Yeah, you know, an audience member. You want to be able to see that someone's with their band, you know, and that oh, it was just so. So ma- it was magical. Yeah. How was her outfit? Mm. I haven't I haven't been able to geek out about her outfit with anybody because it happened like a few hours ago. <laughs> her was hat incredible. was made out of buttons, like no, um, um, bottle like tops. tops, bottle tops, bottle yeah. tops. Yeah, that's what it's called. I know. Yeah. I was trying to zoom in on my photos to see like uh, what there was one from Bad Light, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> yes. And then did you see she was wearing like four watches? Oh no, I didn't see that. Which I don't know what the relevances or the metaphor in there but there was must have been something and then she had these or maybe weird it doesn't maybe, maybe she was just like fucking it, yeah, like, four fuck watches. It, and then some people will probably think it's for for a, a reason, reason exactly um yeah she was just i love that you s- use the word attitude because she she just owned that yeah. moment yeah. even though we waited for her for a while which yeah. i knew we probably would yeah um a shame because they cut her off obviously 15 minutes early over the yeah. time but we could have heard her for longer if I she know. was on time if she just was on time yeah. you should have walked past her and said you should have been yeah, on time I was considering it like what, what happened there like what? why did you forget about it? who do you or? think you are yeah um, no she's just fucking wonderful so yeah. going forward in terms of what you're wanting to do I know you mentioned producing and working with other people so you said you have an album out yeah and you'll be what is the next step I'm for you? I'm in the process of recording new music. Amazing. Yeah. I don't think it'll be that long until I release a new single. Um, but who knows? I always say that and then it takes longer, you know? But I'm recording my own stuff. I'm also working on some ambient, new age instrumental stuff. Um, I'm producing other people and yeah, that's my life. <laughs> what? So what is the... What, why do you feel... As an artist from Norway, now living in Berlin, what do you feel like you bring to the industry that someone might miss? Or what? what is the special... Not, I don't want to say unique thing that you bring, but what is your... How is your approach different? Um, interesting question. I've, I've also started a label in Berlin. Okay. Releasing Berlin-based artists. And through that, I feel like... I want to be the kind of label that supports a musician in a way that most labels don't. I want to have the creative aspect. Um, it's obviously the... M- I'm blanking on my English here. No! <laughs> I, like, it's ama- I feel so terrible about like, having <laughs> no. to like, make everybody speak in English because I wish I could speak your language. I cannot even pronounce some of the words. <laughs> but I want, I want the, the creative aspects, obviously the most important thing, but I also want to be an emotional support for the artists that I release because having been on quite a different, quite a lot of labels now, uh, at least in the beginning, I felt like I didn't get any emotional support. And also for an artist just starting out, you don't really know. It's it's terrifying at times to just start releasing music. You don't really know how to do it, and you have a bunch of insecurities and all that stuff. And I wanna I wanna help smaller artists get through that phase 
And it's so important because it's not only support, it's also the foundation yeah, to everything you do. Yeah, it's also just friendship. Like being able to email the, the Brian from Western Manual and just be friends. It's not all business. We can be friends as well. And that's yeah. really important to me. It like humanizes it, yeah. I suppose. Because so much of the industry, especially when you're a small act and starting out, yeah. so much of it feels so huge. Yeah. And like if you if and you impersonal. do one thing, you yeah. And if you do one thing, you don't know if it's the right thing or if it can derail your career. And the truth is that you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. But you, if you have that support and that care, yeah. it makes such a difference. Yeah. Is there someone that you feel like you'd love to work with there's this uk boogie band from the 80s it's called the raw band okay and i just found out that the guy who raw is just his initials richard ashton or something Mm -hmm. um he still makes music in london wow and i was considering contacting him being like hey can, do you want to like make some disco music? Yeah, too? he's like seventy something now. What about bands from Berlin? Is there anyone that you want to, other than obviously your music for people that haven't heard you before? Yeah. Is there anyone else you yes. are really excited well, by? I must uh, recommend my the artist on my label, yes. Jay Tyler. Mm-hmm. He is an unbelievable musician. He is. I very much recommend checking out his music. Uh, it's kind of like a lot of people compare it to some Ariel Pink sometimes, Lan- Lansing Drayden and Todd Rundgren. It's kind of like power, guitar-based power pop. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jay Tyler. Jay Tyler. J-A-E mm-hmm. Tyler. Oh, wow. And then how can people find your music? Where Where's the best way to, to get and which album do you think that they should start with? My favorite is definitely the latest one. I changed. Mine too. I changed my sound a lot uh, between my releases. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, everyone should just check out the latest one called Pure O, because that's what I sound like now. But if you want to check out what I sounded like years ago, and then you can check out <laughs> older stuff too. Whatever you want. Yeah. Wonderful. What is the thing that you wish someone told you before you started? Oh just don't give a fuck about other about industry people oh my god there's i spent so many years kind of like i wouldn't say sucking up to industry people but just kind of feeling like they had the power and i had to like play their game it's they don't work i don't work for them they work for us Mm. if it wasn't for the artists they wouldn't have a, a fucking job so just don't give a fuck about industry people don't let a label tell you how to make your music or a manager do what you want to do and yeah just amazing fuck them yeah (laughs) this must be the gig is produced by adam kibble and we'd like to thank billy yost and the kickback for our theme song rube and buy their music at thekickbackband.com Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design and the Consequence Podcast Network where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts 
Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at TMBTGPod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again and I miss you already. again for listening to this week's episode here's a little reminder that StubHub is the best place to score the tickets you need whenever you need them backed by their 100% fan protect guarantee StubHub has the seats you want at the price you want to pay and they're never sold out so you can score tickets up to the last minute head to cosradio.lv slash StubHub that's cosradio.lv slash StubHub, and then enjoy the show. Consequence Podcast Network.